This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Scarlet Lady this week. Also, staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. So what do you say we jump straight to him? Hey, Richard. Hey, how are you? So NCL turned the corner in the last round of earnings. This is good news all around uh, in that for the first time in two thousand since 2019, Norwegian made a profit. They pretty much reported that earnings were up across the board. Ticket sales up. Onboard spending up, occupancy up. In fact, occupancy is hovering right around like 104%. We've talked about this before, but for newbies wondering how you can get over 100% when it comes to occupancy, a ship is considered to be sailing at 100% occupancy when every room has two people in it. Or, you know, technically we say every room. I mean, it works out to double occupancy if, say, one room has one person in it, another room has three people in it that averages out to two people a room. So that's what you get at 100%. Uh, anything over that, and you're at 103, 104%. Um, anyway, the good news is that because NCL is making so much money, they're passing those savings on to guests with reduced fares. No, they're not. I'm kidding. In fact, they're quite pleased with the fact that not only are bookings up and not only are they making you know tons of money on onboard spend and all that, but um, they are also very pleased that those new ticket sales are at an increased price. They're making more money than ever by charging more than ever. So yeah, you're probably going to have a little bit of a tough time getting uh, a deal on those staterooms, especially, you know, if they're if they're charging more and they're still sailing at 100% or higher, well, we all know about the law of supply and demand. So those prices are not going to be coming down anytime soon. And Holland America is going to increase some prices come uh, September 1st. Yeah, that's important. The first thing to know with this story is that if you're planning to eat in a specialty restaurant on board a Holland America ship, you should finalize your plans and book that puppy ASAP. Because when the prices are when the prices are going up on September 1st, but the current pricing will be honored for any reservation made prior to that date. How much are they going up? So that kind of depends on which restaurant you're in and what you're ordering. One of the biggest changes is if you're a caviar lover, the price is going from $50 to $80. Now, you know, if you're on a cruise ship and you're ordering caviar, you probably don't care that the price went up $30. Uh, but there are other charges that pretty much everybody who eats in specialty restaurants will care about. Uh, the Pinnacle Grill, Rudy's, Tamarind, they're all going up between like anywhere from four to seven bucks. Uh, the cover charge will be going up depending on the venue. Some of the upcharge items on the menu are also increasing. So like you'll pay more for lobster or for that tomahawk steak, that kind of thing. There is an upside, and that is that some of the additional charges have been dropped. So, for example, in the Pinnacle Grill, they used to charge $7 for an extra app or $15 for an extra entree, and they are discontinuing that. So that's good news. But again, the real takeaway here is if you have a sailing coming up on Holland America and want to eat in a specialty restaurant, book it now. Get it booked, get it paid off, because then they will honor the original prices as opposed to the prices that will start rolling out on September 1st. They won't all go up on September 1st. It basically, on some ships, it'll go up September 1st, and then 
on the rest of the ships, it'll be the first um, embarkation after September 1st. So that first week or two of September, everything will go up. Yeah, so Pinnacle Grill, it's a good deal if you do want two entrees. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm surprised by that one, honestly. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, that's a charge that I could actually see sticking to. You know, if you're yeah. going to the Pinnacle Grill and you're going to order two steaks, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a big price to, to pay. And speaking of prices going up, Princess Cruise has stuck their neck out there last, what, last Thursday and uh, got a little heat because of it. You know, I am a big, big advocate of all-inclusive pricing. I think prices, you know, I think you should pay one price and everything be included. And some might say that what Princess Cruises did is a move in that direction, but I'm not so sure. Here's the deal. When you book a cruise with Princess, you have three options. You can go the standard package, which is basically just your cruise fare, nothing extra really included. If you want to get, um, say, Wi-Fi for one device, the basic drink package, have your tips covered, you can upgrade to the Princess Plus package, which is an additional $60 per person per day. And if you want to get, you know, Wi-Fi for four devices, the premium drink package, reserved seating in the theater, you know, all the bells and whistles, that's the Princess Premier package, which will cost you $80 per person per day. So if you're doing the math here, that means a family of four who's on a seven-day trip, if they want the Premier package, they're going to be paying $2,240. And again, that's on top of the actual price of the cruise. So if your cruise was $2,000, you know, then you're then going to add $2,240 to that in order to get the premier package for the week. So what people are really talking about, though, is the fact that in rolling this out, Princess kind of quietly didn't really announce but revealed that some of the casual dining venues that were previously free are now going to be uh, a charge, unless, of course, you happen to be in the premium package. Um, and that includes El Fredo's, which is, you know, the line's wildly popular pizza place. That's, you know, they've been voted best pizza at sea by pretty much everyone on the planet. And it's always been free, but now it is going to come with a charge. I'm kind of surprised by that. The public was Definitely not happy to hear that. Um, Their general response was to say, not cool, princess. So I kind of can't help thinking that if this public outcry continues, this might be a situation where we see a cruise line reverse itself and say, oh, we didn't mean that the pizza was going to be, you know, extra. We're going to put that back as a regular complimentary dining venue. I'll be Really surprised if that doesn't happen sometime in the next couple of weeks. And one Carnival Cruise Line ship had AC issues. Look, when you go on a cruise to the Caribbean, you expect it to be hot. You want a nice day for hitting the beach or laying by the pool. What you don't want is to then go back to your stateroom and find out the air conditioning is kaput. But that's kind of what happened for a lot of guests on Carnival Sunrise. The temperatures in the public venues and staterooms got up to around 80 degrees because the air conditioning was malfunctioning. And, you know, if you're sitting at home, 80 degrees doesn't sound all that bad. Like if you're, you know, hanging out on your back porch or whatever. But when you're on a cruise, 80 degrees in your stateroom, try sleeping in that. That's mm-hmm. not that is not pleasant. And we hear people all the time complain, you know, oh, I couldn't get the room cold enough for my liking. That's a very common cruise complaint. But in this case, there was no air conditioning. So it was not comfortable for pretty much anyone. Now, 
Carnival said it was due to, you know, hotter than usual weather. And they also said that it was the, this I did not understand. They said it was because the ocean temperatures were warmer than usual. And I really didn't quite understand how the ocean temperature increased, you know, what created a problem for the air conditioning on board the ship. But at the end of the day, what it really was, was a technical malfunctioning. The air condition wasn't working and people were not happy. Carnival issued a refund to guests, but the letter they sent was a little odd. It said, here, I'm going to read it. It said, we understand the impact this has had on your vacation. So along with our apologies for each day, your stateroom temperature was above the ideal range. We are extending a 50% refund of your cruise fare. The refund will be issued as an onboard credit to your sale and sign account. And I had a couple of questions about that. So they're saying for every day you are getting a 50% refund of your cruise fare. So that to me would say that if you had this issue for three or four days, you were getting like 150, 200% of your money back. The other question I have is that this was going on to your sale and sign account. I'm hoping it was a refundable credit because, you know, if you halfway through your cruise suddenly have, you know, two, $300 on your or more on your account, unless you're going to go down to the store and buy like sweaters for everybody for Christmas, that's a lot of money to try and burn through during your cruise. So I I, I don't really, there's a lot of things here I don't understand, but at the end of the day, assumedly they got the air conditioner fixed and we will not hear people complaining about that the next time. So we're getting some more info about the MSC private island closure next spring. A while back, some MSC guests started getting notices that the Wines Private Island, Ocean Key, was going to be closed for a few months to undergo renovations. We actually found out about this because a cruise I was booked on was impacted. All of a sudden, you know, I thought I was going to be going on a cruise to the Bahamas and I was going to go to Ocean Key for the first time. And then I got a notice saying, um, actually, you're going to New England and Canada because we're not only are we shutting down the private island for a couple of months, but we're going to avoid going to the Bahamas during that time with this ship. I'm, I'm on the Meraviglia out of New York. So we're going to go up north. I ended up changing it because that's not really the itinerary that I wanted for that time of year. Um, we didn't know a lot of details about what was going to be going on on the island, but now, thanks to a filing with the Central Bank of the Bahamas, we've got kind of a little more information. They're saying that the project is expected to cost around $100 million and will include such not really exciting things as like a new storm and drainage system. There will also be new accommodations for the staff because unlike a lot of private islands, um, a lot of the people who work on Ocean Key also live there. They have like condos and apartments and stuff like that. So they'll be getting some new accommodations for them. Uh, The thing that really caught my eye is they said they would be adding, quote, a private yacht club. Now, for those of you who know MSC, their ship within a ship concept is called the Yacht Club. So I can't help but wonder if this is like a mainstream source or a bank reporting on something that they don't really understand. Like, are they actually building a yacht club for in you know for yachts to come and visit the island? Or is this, you know, something affiliated with MSC's? Yacht Club. Already on the island, they have a very cool section for the Yacht Club. There's um, there's a private restaurant in a very nice building, and there's a private beach over there, and it's all only accessible 
to yacht club guests. So this could go either way. Um, I'll be looking for more details on this. It's either an expansion of the existing yacht club amenities or they're opening an actual, you know, yacht club. And like I said, we'll find out firsthand because about a week after they reopen. Um, it's it's next year in like April, May, and June, something like that, that the island is going to be closed. Right after it reopens, I'm booked on one of the first sailings that will be stopping there after the refurbishments. So we will be able to tell you exactly what those refurbishments entailed and uh, what they meant by Yacht Club. And a sad ending to an already sad story. Yeah, a guest went overboard on Spectrum of the Seas uh, over in Singapore. The woman was 64 years old and um, we later learned from her son, who was pretty vocal on social media, that she couldn't swim. Uh, there was obviously a search for her. Interestingly, at one point, the son sort of put out there in the universe that they didn't want to get off the ship because they thought that she might actually be somewhere on the ship, whether stuck somewhere or injured. Um, eventually, I think because he put that out there, the ship did show the family video footage showing that she went overboard. So um, any hopes that they might have had at that point were, you know, pretty much lost. So unfortunately, this is, like you said, a story that does not have a happy ending for that particular family. There's no real details on exactly how she went over, um, as is often the case. Sometimes we just don't know. But yeah, sad, sad story out of out of uh, for Royal Caribbean's Spectrum of the Seas. All right. And so we have a little bit of a clarification that we have to make from last week's show. Actually, I don't have a clarification to make. You have a clarification to make. But first off, let's listen to what you said. If something goes wrong, let's say you have a medical emergency and you're in, you know, Guam. Okay. So before we get to these emails, that is your voice, right? That is my voice. And that is what I said. Okay. So I'm going to read a couple of emails we got regarding that. Um, Uh Tom says... Somebody please let Richard know that Guam is a U.S. territory. And then uh, Nick says, hey, still love the podcast and appreciate the cruise news. Love Richard and his energy every week. But also please let Richard know that Guam is a U.S. territory and there's no passport needed for Guam. Well, okay. Here's where I make not only a clarification, but a bit of a confession. I am the absolute worst when it comes to any form of direction, geography. I am somebody who lives in New York and says I'm going up to Florida. Uh, when When I said Guam, I pulled that out of thin air or perhaps my butt. And yes, I stand corrected. That is, that is embarrassing. I did know that on some level, but um, maybe it was sort of like when you go on Jeopardy and, you know, they ask you the simplest of questions for $200 and you know the answer and you give the wrong one. So yeah, that is on me, Doug. That is not on you. Staff writer Richard Sims, we'll talk to you next week, man. And maybe there won't be any letters accusing me of making mistakes next week. (laughs) Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah! Send an email or voice memo to Doug at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. 
How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. You're listening to Cruise Radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry. Melita and her friends just returned from a four-night sailing aboard Virgin Voyages Scarlet Lady. It was a little girlfriend getaway trip. She joins us on the line. How you doing? I'm doing great, Doug. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for uh, offering to give this review of Scarlet Lady. We haven't had one in, I, I don't think, a couple of years. So I'm uh, looking forward to talking to you about this. Um, now, we were briefly chatting before we hit record here about this was a, a girlfriend getaway. So let's get some pre-cruise thoughts. Uh, what made you want to do this girlfriend's getaway and pick Scarlet Lady to do it? Well, we had, when we did all turn 50, we decided to start doing some trips together. So every five years we do a big trip. So this was our 55th birthday. So most of us are teachers. So we wanted to go on a cruise with no children because that's a true vacation for us. So that's one reason we chose the Scarlet Lady. And because it's new and it had a lot of um, amenities that we like, like the free Wi-Fi and the included gratuities. But just the, the idea of having a true getaway from our career and our families and all was really appealing to us. Very cool. So you make your way down. You live in the South Carolina area. Are, are all y'all from the same area? Two of us are from South Carolina and two are from Alabama. Okay. So you make your way down to South Florida. Um, any pre-cruise time down in Miami before the cruise? Really? Not really, but we had to, we didn't get in until that night. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of just went straight to our hotel and then got up the next day and, you know, headed to the port. Okay. So you make your way to this, uh, the cruise terminal where Scarlet Lady is docked, which is a fairly new cruise terminal. Um, how was the embarkation there? Oh, it was great. It was very easy. We Our embarkation time was 2.30 because they do um, embark a little bit later than most ships. And we got there about 1.30 and we, we just waited in line there. They didn't let you get on early, which is fine. But they did have a, a shuttle to the Bayside that was for people that, you know, were there really early that wanted to go shop. But we didn't do that. We just waited in line and just talked to people around us. And it was really easy. We got into the terminal right at our time. We we're supposed to be in there. And um, it was it was very simple. How involved is their app um, when it comes to embarkation? The The app was it was great because we could like. You know, it told us what time to be there, and then we had uploaded a lot of documents already onto the app, and so that made things a lot easier when we got in there. You know, our credit card was already on there. Everything was on there. All right, so before we get your first impressions, and just for context here, have you cruised a lot in the past? Yes, I cruised a lot back um, when I was younger, and then in the last year and a half, I've kind of gone cruise crazy and (laughs) going like on Virgin. Gotcha. Okay. So you make your way on board Scarlet Lady. What were your first impressions of this ship? It was really nice. Um, it was, when we walked in, it was very, everything was very modern looking. Uh, there was a lot of energy. Everybody was lively. And, you know, it was just like, oh, this is really cool. You know, let's go check this out. And so, you know, it's not, not like some of the older cruise ships that you see. Everything just looked really modern and sleek. Okay. So you make your way to the stateroom. How did the stateroom situation play out for y'all? 
we actually got two staterooms and we paid a little bit extra to get our staterooms. Um, we couldn't get a connecting stateroom, but we did get one side by side and we opened up the balcony. So we had connecting balconies, which was the greatest thing ever because we could just go back and forth between rooms through the balcony. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. was really neat. Now, with when this ship came out, uh, there was, and I think they've modified it a little bit since then, but there was like some pushback on the, the whole bed, I guess, configurations, how it was by day and how it was by night. Can you mm-hmm. speak on that at all? Or was it pretty much the same layout the entire five days you were on board? Well, we when we went in there, it was, it was just one bed and we we're like, no, we want our beds separated. So... They did come and separate our beds, and the way they separated is more like I think what they were you're referring to, like they would do in the daytime mm-hmm. to make it more like a couch, you know, sitting area. So our beds were separated, and we just left it like that the whole time. But it was really nice. We had like drawers underneath the bed that you could put things in. It, it was, you know, set up really well. Yeah. So how was the layout of the cabin for you as far as like uh, enough plugs? How large was the bathroom and things like that? There were plenty of plugs and USB ports. You know, they have the tablet controlling the lights and the curtains and, you know, the TV. Um, the bathroom to me was a little small, but it did have a really nice shower with the rainforest head and and that. But of course, the the best thing of the whole cabin was the hammock on the balcony. Did you spend a lot of time on it? I spent a lot of time on it. And they they started to kid me because every time I would sit there, I was like, I'm going to sit here for a little while. And I'd always fall asleep because (laughs) it was just, it was that nice. It was that relaxing. And your friends like their room too? Yes. Theirs was, you know, just like ours. Mm. And they were real happy with it. We had plenty of room for all the luggage that we brought that we probably didn't need but (laughs) you know we had plenty of room for everything that we brought let's talk about dining on this five night cruise and there's really not a a main dining room per se and i don't even really know where to start with this so i'm just gonna ask you like where was your (laughs) go-to dining spot you know you make reservations online and they were all really good i was very impressed with the quality of the food it was just amazing. And it, you know, it takes a little bit longer than like, say, the main dining room feed would take because, but this is all made really fresh. And so it was worth the wait. And all of it was just really good quality food. Um, for breakfast and lunch, we always went to the galley where, you know, it's, it's not a buffet, but, you know, you sit down and you raise the flag and they come and ask you what you want. And, um, so you can, you know, they'll bring to you whatever you want that's on their menu, or you can go up. There are some stations, like there's a dessert station with the best desserts I've ever had on a cruise, and you could get those anytime. They had a salad station, and we went there every day for lunch. The salads were amazing, and they also had grab-and-go stations that have sushi, salads, meats, and cheeses. You could just grab-and-go, take it to the pool or whatever, um, but I, I think our favorite place just to kind of snack at was on the back of the ship um, at a place called The Dock. And they had like grilled shrimp, Mediterranean food, and they would just bring it to your lounge chair or whatever. We enjoyed all of our food. I'm going to spit out a couple of places that I went to when I was on board there. I went to The Wake one night. Was that good? Yes. That's where we went. The fr- uh, I think it was the first night, the steak and seafood. It was good. It yeah. was. How about Pink Agave? Um, yes, we love Pink Agave. And they just kind of brought us a little bit of everything. They said, oh, just try this and you can try this and you can try this. So we all just shared, you know, so that was really nice. And then the Korean place, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name. Gunbei. Yes. Yes. Gunbei was probably our favorite sit down restaurant. The f- I mean, it was just so much fun because we're all sitting around this, you know, the little grill and the man comes out and he was just, he was a lot of fun and he played this game and 
um, you know, he cooks it right there in front of you. It was just, it was a really high energy place. It was, it was a lot of fun and the food was great. Am I missing any of the dining options? Like, uh, ones that really stuck out to you aside from the ones you mentioned, like grab and go type things. Yeah. The, um, the pizza was good. We went to the pizza place one night and got some pizza late at night. And then the ice cream that, you know, it was like real ice cream and you could go and they had different flavors every day. That was really good. You know, those are kind of the grab and go places. So let's talk about the entertainment on board. What did y'all think about it? Well, the problem was, and this would be a tip for somebody, is to book your entertainment when you first get on the ship because we did not do that. And so... We didn't actually get to go into the the main shows or anything like that because they were booked up. Um, but they did have a lot of entertainment around the ship, like some pop-up shows. I know at the Manor, they had like this acrobatic show like that started before the disco started, um, just things like that. And of course, Scarlet Night Entertainment, they have entertainment all over the public areas and the pool area. So, but the actual book shows, we did not get to go into any of those. How about their famous theme nights, their theme parties, I guess they're called. Yeah, they had um, like a disco night and we did go to that. And, you know, some people dressed up, some people didn't, but that was a lot of fun. They That was in the manor also, which was like their big night club. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they played a lot of disco songs and things like that. And I know they had an 80s uh, fitness class. We didn't go to it, but I know they had, did have that. So, yeah, there was it's kind of like on most ships. Some people participate, some people don't. But, you know, we went to it either way. How were the days at sea on Scarlet Lady as far as crowds and congestion? Oh, it wasn't bad at all. The one really positive thing about the ship is they have a lot of lounge chairs, like sunning areas, the circular lounge beds. Um, they have those like all around the ship. One thing I would I, to me as a negative point is the pool. And I'm sure you've heard that, mm-hmm. but the pool is very, very small. And so we never even set foot in the pool, but there were other places we could just lounge or get, you know, get sun or just lounge in the shade or whatever. And another good thing about that they had like on the sea days, especially or at night, there's a lot of places just like talk with people and lots of lounging areas. And they have this place called the social club that has just, probably 50 board games. They have foosball. They have um, an art free arcade where you can play these eighties video games. And so there's a lot of things to do, but yet they're not always, there's not like a whole schedule all day of say, you got this, 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 no, you just kind of choose what, you know, just make your own fun. And that's what we did. Did you hang out on that net on the back of the ship? Okay. I'm the only one. I did crawl out into the net. It was really cool, but it's really hard to get off of. (laughs) So I only did that one time, but it was a cool thing to do. Was there a lot of people on it? No, I was the only person on it. And then I don't know, maybe other people had the same thought I did. This is kind of hard to climb off of. I wonder if that has a capacity. Did you notice any signs like a maximum of 12 people or anything like that? I didn't notice that. Yeah. But, you know, I was the only person on it and I did get on there and look down and, and you know, but nobody else, I never saw anybody else on it. Now, they did have some cool things. They had like seesaws. They Mm -hmm. had these big swings you could get on. Just it was kind of like an adult playground. Yeah. And I thought that was neat. Although looking down from that net, the vertigo really kicks in. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) that's for sure. So let's talk about the ports of call on this five night cruise. What we'll do here is give us your port, give us a highlight and then give us the next one. We went to Costa Maya, which I'd been there last summer. So we kind of knew what we wanted to do. So we, we got out and we went to took a taxi to the crazy lobster 
which is like a little beach club and they have beach chairs and all that. And you don't pay a fee. You just, you know, buy food and drink from them and you can stay there and you can get massages for $20. And so we did that. But the other port we went to was the beach club at Bimini, which, you know, Virgin has there. Um, and it's only Virgin people at the beach club on the days we're there. We took a shuttle to that and that was just beautiful. The beach was just just wonderful. And they have a huge pool where they have, you know, the big floats they bring out. But we stayed on the beach the whole time. It was just so nice. And, you know, they had food, kind of like authentic Bahamian food there. And so we got that and, you know, just hung out there. And another nice thing is you stay at the ports longer than most cruise lines. We were at the the beach club at Bimini till, um I don't think we had to be on the ship till like 7 p.m. Hmm. So that was nice. You know, I've been to Bimini Beach Club a couple of times, but on like I was once with Celebrity, once with Holland America, once with Carnival, I think. When you're there with uh, with Virgin Voyages, are you actually like, is it all inclusive? Like is the food and also the drinks included? The food is included. The drinks are not. Now, if you have the, if you have the, you know, the bar tab, you can use it there. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. Um it, but yeah, it's, it is, the food is all included so that, yeah, it's like, you're the only people there. Gotcha. Okay. And, uh, you live the Costa Maya. Have you ever done the doctor fish there where you put your feet in and they eat the dead skin off it? I have not. That's a little creepy to me. Yeah. I did it in February for the first time. I've been oh, to really? Costa Maya a dozen times and I'm like, you know what? You live once, just put your feet in there and do uh-huh. it. So I paid the 20 bucks and got 20 minutes of and it. It was, it was kind of, it was creepy at first, but I was like, you know what? <laughs> Whatever, this fish are thriving off my dead skin. Um, Maybe I'll put it on my list for next time. Yeah, yeah, why not? Oh, back to the beach club. There's a tram. How does that work? It goes from the ship to the beach club? I think I think it's every 15 minutes, okay. but we never had to wait. It was always just, you know, mm-hmm. it was there when we needed it. Was the ship pretty full when you were there? Because they were having occupancy issues for the past couple of years, actually. It was actually quite full because, mm-hmm. our, you know, when we went to go change our room you know to get get together Mm -hmm. there was kind of an issue they're like we don't have any more connecting rooms and the ship is this much capacity and you know it's pretty full so you know but it never it never seemed crowded though that's good it that was that was what was nice i know it was it was at least near if not at capacity but it never felt crowded yeah, you were mentioning it earlier when you, uh, your first, you know, your thoughts when you boarded the ship. But yeah, to me, it felt like it was a very, oh gosh, I'm lost for words. What's, what am I looking for here? It was just a very kind of minimalistic. Yes, yes, that's it. Minimalistic. It's a very minimalistic type and, ship. And even the, like, even the casino, uh-huh. you could tell, like, it's, it was super tiny, right? Right. It was, you know, it wasn't like one of the mega ships I've been on before, but. It, it was nice because it was easy to get from place to place, but it was very, it was simply decorated and just very modern looking. Yeah, there you go. You said it better. Uh-huh. Okay. Then you make your way back to Port Miami to debark. How was the debark process? Oh, it was really easy. I, one thing I noticed that most people carry their luggage off. Mm-hmm. You know, there were very few people that put their luggage out the night before. So we didn't either. And so we just carried our luggage off. It was, you know, we weren't waiting in long lines. We just went through. Um, and customs was, of course, the facial recognition. So that was very simple. And, you know, the next thing we know, we're out waiting for an Uber to get to the airport. So it was quick. So any first time tips to offer someone either considering or someone sailing on Scarlet Lady? 
booked the restaurants as soon as they opened up. Ours opened up in in April, and I was literally on the app at midnight, you know, booking the restaurants. Book entertainment as soon as you can on the ship. I love the fact there's gratuities and Wi-Fi included. Oh, there were all different ages and types of people. You know, some people have this thing. It's the stereotype of a certain type of people, but it's not. We saw people from 18 all the way up to people in their 70s, like older couples and, you know, people on girls trips, people our age, you know, it's just a wide variety of people that and everybody was just very friendly and, you know, just there to have a good time and to relax. And it must have been nice to being on a ship that's adults only. Yes, it was. And especially, you know, and we talked to a married couple who it's the first time they've ever left their child, you know, but they were saying it's been so nice to rekindle, you know, their relationship away from their child. And then, you know, when they go back, they're fresh and they're, you know, ready to be parents again. Yeah. Looking back here, what was the biggest highlight of this five night cruise for y'all? I think it was the the wake on the back of the ship mm-hmm. where we would just hang out, so, you know during the day and at night and just relax. And then, you know, they bring you their food, bring you drink. And it it was just beautiful. And it was just, they had beautiful music playing there. And to me, it was just the relaxation and just having a good time. When they first launched this ship, the one thing I could not figure out, and to this day I still can't, is what they were thinking when they put that small pool in. Yeah, that was that was really the only negative thing to me was the pool. And like I said, we never even got in it. It was just mm. so small. And there is another like pool that they say is more like a hot tub. And mm. we got in that one day, but, you know, just briefly. Right. But, you know, that's the only negative thing to me. In closing here, your final thoughts of Scarlet Lady. I think it's a great ship to have fun on and to relax and to get to know people. And it was just, it was just a lot of fun. And they really give you what you need to help you have fun and, you know, spaces to talk in and just a lot of entertainment and things like that. You think you do it again? Absolutely. Well, we've been talking with Melita about her five night cruise on Virgin Voyages, Scarlet Lady over to Mexico and the Bimini Beach Club. Thank you so much for uh, giving this review. We sure appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. I, I enjoy your podcast a lot and glad i could add to it some all right dougie let's see what we got for you buddy cruise radio is produced at the tripinsurance.com studios in jacksonville florida get cruise news ship reviews and money saving tips every thursday on cruise radio if you've enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the show if you want to help spread the word give cruise radio a five-star review Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.